Welcome to Behind the Schemes, a conversation about protecting our planet's precious wildlife from commerce, corruption, and counterfeit cures. This is Risha with Behind the Schemes, and in this episode, we're talking about the significance of the London Conference on the Illegal Wildlife Trade with Sabri Zane, Director of Advocacy for Traffic International. What was the mood like at the conference? Did it seem like change was in the air? Well, you have to remember that uh, there were six months of government-to-government negotiations preceding the conference, during which... I think most most of the governments who came on the day had a rough idea of what was going to be put on the table. So I think people knew that there was going to be change. The question was, how much change would there be, and how much of that, how much of the text in the declaration would have enough detail so that you know tangible actions can be seen and can be can be can be measured. Uh, so the mood was expectant. There were still a few issues uh, that were, you know, quite controversial, which needed to be, which needed to be addressed. But by the end of the conference, uh, those issues, you know, issues surrounding uh, uh, moratoriums and issues surrounding legalization of trade, they were addressed uh, to the satisfaction uh, of the group. And we, we eventually came out with a very strong, strongly worded declaration, which I think provides a the basis for uh, a serious international plan of action to, to tackle wildlife crime across the globe. Hmm. What do you think was the tipping point? What made uh, almost 50 countries get together to address wildlife trafficking? Well, there were a few tipping points, but uh, I think that the main, the major tipping point is that the situation is now beyond doubt uh, absolutely critical we're seeing poaching of rhinos in unprecedented numbers over a thousand killed in south africa last year compared to what 13 in 2007 large seizures of ivory in 2008 before 2008 there were typically you know five seizures of shipments over 500 kilograms the figure is now in the high 20s uh, so I, I think the the, the situation the, the the dire situation has made a lot of countries realize that uh, there really needs to be serious action that sort of pushed the agenda forward. It, it wasn't a, a one single tipping point. If you look past over the year, that it, it was the the momentum had been building. The issue. The issue of unprecedented levels of poaching and trade was discussed at the CITE Standing Committee in uh, 2012. Very shortly after that, uh, you had the UN Office of Drugs and Crime meeting in Vienna, which raised the issue of wildlife crime as a serious crime and the involvement of organized uh, transnational uh, groups in this crime. And then you had statement by uh, the, the then Secretary of State Hillary Clinton uh, bringing wildlife crime into into the arena of national security, rule of law. I think all of this sort of culminated in CITES Conference of the Parties last year, where you had the Prime Minister of Thailand uh, committing itself uh, to, to to ban the ivory uh, market in, in Thailand. Uh, 
you had you know some very strong and unprecedented uh, decisions at the CITES meeting on elephants and rhinos, specifically targeting uh, countries that were implicated in the illegal trade. And it didn't stop after that. You've, you've had uh, the, the French security summit uh, last uh, December, which for the first time discussed wildlife crime as an, as an issue that affects national security and has links to terrorism. You had the UN Secretary General uh, make that link. We had African Elephant Summit come together to address the the issue of uh, ivory poaching and illegal ivory trade. So there were there was a lot of uh, international commitment uh, over the past year, which I think culminated in the London Conference, uh, because the the big difference with the London Conference was this was uh, a global meeting which involved the highest levels of government, heads of states and foreign ministers, and I, I think that's that's what uh, is the significance of the conference that it, it is political commitment to do something that hopefully will translate into conservation action on the ground. Yeah. 41 countries endorsed the London Declaration. That seems like a lot of countries to actually agree on something. (laughs) Could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I mean, it's significant in that, you know, this wasn't a vote. It was a consensus agreement reached by all those 41 countries. The 41 countries comprised uh, all the key uh, source countries, all the key transit countries, such as uh, the the UAE and Malaysia, all the key destination countries, in particular China and Vietnam. Uh, And for for these countries to come to consensus on uh, you know on controversial issues such as poaching and uh, illegal trade is outstanding. Uh, the major, the other significance of this is that you know this was not a technical meeting like the CITES meeting. This was a meeting that was held uh, or that was a, that was attended by you know heads of states and foreign ministers and ministers. Uh, so there is a high level of political will expressed in the outcome from this document, which hopefully will push for change uh, at the national level uh, later on. Of course, it's also significant that, that a few countries were missing. Uh, South Africa was not a participant or did not endorse the declaration, which uh, you know is very disappointing since South Africa is bearing the brunt of the rhino poaching crisis. Uh, so I hope that you know, overtures can be made to South Africa to reconsider its its views and look at the current text of the declaration and uh, hopefully South Africa will lend its support to the to the declaration. Hmm, that is kind of surprising that South Africa was not represented. Hmm. So what can the public do to make sure that their governments follow through on this historic pledge? Well, I mean, this conference wouldn't have been as successful had it not been for the groundswell of uh, public concern and attention over the past year on the issue of illegal wildlife crime both through the traditional media as well as through social media. We've had an outpouring of public support for the work of NGOs in trying to address the issue and a lot of pressure being piled on to on, on governments to do the right thing. So we hope that the public maintains this pressure. The key issue now is how do we translate uh, the strong words and, and fine sentiments that are in the declaration into tangible conservation action on the ground at the national level. I think that's where we need to focus our attention. When are we going to see Thailand close down its illegal ivory markets? When are we going to see China take 
more serious action in terms of uh, reducing demand for uh, illegal ivory and uh, when are we going to see Vietnam do the same for rhino products. Uh, so we hope that the public in those countries uh, put the pressure on their governments to honour the commitments that were made uh, in the London Declaration uh, in the form of tangible actions uh, that can be reported when the, the next conference takes place in Botswana next year. Excellent. Thank you so much, Sabri, for spending time with us. This is a, definitely a big historic event, and uh, a lot of us are very happy that it did get to this level. Thank you, Rishia. Anytime. You've been listening to The Significance of the London Conference on the Illegal Wildlife Trade with Sabri Zane. This is Risha with Behind the Schemes.